0: Algar Productions.
1: Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 34. Hi friends, it's supplemental time, and boy, do we have a giant pile of mail.
2: To the shock of everyone. Except the people who sent the mail, I guess. They're just like, yeah, I sent that mail.
1: Yeah, but each of them aren't individually aware of all the others. I guess that's true. They might think they're the only ones. (laughs) Here's your only letter.
2: Hey, wait a minute. This isn't the only letter.
1: No, and and you know, like I've had a I've had a little bit of a rough week at uh, at my day job, and sure. I have like anxiety nightmares of giant inboxes full of email. So it's like, oh, good, a giant inbox full of email to do. <laughs> Great.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, yeah, that that's me complaining that our well-regarded podcast is uh, is getting correspondence. What a dick I am. <laughs> Why don't you read your email,
2: you stupid piece of shit?
1: Yeah, you <laughs> just ask people to write in, and then they do, and they say nice things. Oh yeah, your life is so hard. What the fu- What the fuck's wrong with you? Oh, you stupid piece of shit. <laughs> Let's just talk about BoJack Horseman for yeah. I'm fine with that. Pretty yeah, much, total, totally fine.
2: I finished that last night and it was amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is not for people who don't like watching very sad, depressing shows because it is very sad and depressing. Uh-huh. But uh, for some reason, Matt and I, this is one of those things we agree on. We we like uh, we like watching people be miserable and make animal puns. Yeah, it's just
2: uh I you just know. thought I liked watching people be miserable, but then they bring in the animal puns, and I'm like, wow, this is even better.
1: No, I i like a, I like a good dark show where the protagonist is is totally irredeemable and everything just gets mm. sucked into a black hole of misery, but uh, add the animal puns and that makes it even better.
2: Yeah, I found the one thing missing from Breaking Bad.
1: <laughs> and The Sopranos. Uh-huh. Yep. Anyway, we are not here to uh, praise Bojack, we are here to bury Enterprise. Uh-huh. Ugh. Well, but we—it's—it's it's traditional for us to say, okay, we've—we've we've done X seasons of this show. How do mm-hmm. we feel so far? So let, let's let's do that after 26 episodes of Enterprise. What what do you think?
2: This show's pretty rough, man. Like, yeah. If I if I was just watching this show, I would have stopped a while ago.
1: Well, me of 2001, 2002, stuck it out a little bit longer than this. I made it mm. early into season two before I bailed. Like, I
2: feel like I would have watched more Voyager mm mm-hmm. Without giving up, you know? Well, Voyager,
1: Voyager had a short first season, which helped. It was a good first season, too, as I recall. Yeah I, yeah, I remember the problems didn't start developing till a little bit later. Yeah. Like, we actually liked it early on. hmm And then didn't, and then did, and then off and on.
2: And, and Voyager has more characters I like than characters I don't like.
1: I will say at this point, like, at the beginning, we didn't like much of any of these guys. Going through the list, mm-hmm. there aren't a, like, we don't like Malcolm and we no. wish the captain was less boring. Uh-huh. That that's really it, right? Yeah. I guess that's true. Like we don't we're not excited about most of them, but I we like them okay. I mean, I, not, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we're both on the same page. The,
2: the thing is the characters that I like uh, it's it's not like it's it, it, it's such a like a like a low thing to like them. It's just like, yeah, that guy's fine.
1: No, I don't know if there's like a Hoshi episode. I'm like, "Oh good, a Hoshi episode." No. I like her. Or, you know, Travis. Like, I'm trying to think of the guys I don't like as much as, say, Trip or The Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... I, I, I guess it must be just the about they do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I understand that Travis does not get more interesting. Like, so far, I definitely see the argument that there's not much there, and apparently that just continues, and that's all. Seriously? A For four years? That's what I hear. We'll find out, obviously. I, I mean, I guess. But so far... After the first year, he's definitely the least defined of all the characters. Hmm. I feel like I know kind of what's going on with most of the rest of them. At this point, like, I just
2: want to retool the show into a uh, sci fi detective series where uh, Tripp wears his Hawaiian shirt every week and solves mysteries.
1: And grows the uh, Magnum P.I. mustache?
2: Uh, I'll give or take that, you know. Okay. Actually. <laughs> If season two starts with Travis just or uh with Tripp just having a mustache for no reason, like he grew a riker beard over the over the summer, yeah, I am so down for that.
1: Well, there was that there was that season of Seinfeld that opened with uh, Jerry and George sitting uh sitting at monks like they always do, mm. uh, just with mustaches. Yep, and it's like what 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 the fuck happened? And then the next season, the next scene, they don't have them anymore. Yep. I, I like that. They should do that.
2: No, I'm perfectly fine with that.
1: Yeah, it, it probably, it's just going to be more of the same. You know that. I mean, I mean, we ended with the fucking Temporal Cold War, Ugh, and that's what the next one's going to be, too. God. You know that. Yeah.
2: What a boring cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, well, what are you going to do?
2: Yeah, I don't We're know, man. There. Like, anytime time they do, like, NASA-type stuff, like...
1: Yeah, there there are things about this premise that are good, mm-hmm. that when they do that, it's just simple space travel and not this is boring, routine, everyday stuff like it was in every other Star Trek. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I just, or w- <sighs> or when it's about the characters. Yeah. It's but just a Temple lot of, of their scripts War. are mm.
2: fucking boring, and I think a lot of that has to do with it being almost entirely Berman and Braga.
1: Well, and I've I've quoted this from The 50-Year Mission many times before, but really there are some quotes from Braga who said, "Yeah, we were really burned out. We were admittedly completely out of ideas, but mm. they said let's do another show, and I said, well, okay. I mean, like
2: this show needs some new like the show needs some new writers."
1: Yeah. And when the the point at which people say it gets better, that's that's what happens. Uh We'll see. Like, we still got to trudge through two additional seasons to get to where everyone says it gets good.
2: Wait, so was it just Braga and and, uh, uh, Berman for like two years? Well, it's if you'll
1: notice, it's always story by Braga and Berman. Like, I think they they hashed out all the the stories and then the scripts were written by different guys. Mm. Ugh. yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure... Like, I, I said this as a joke before, but it really does feel like they sat down to lunch one day and just bashed out 50 basic story ideas and then handed them out to the rest. All ranks.
2: right, we'll do one with the Andorians. Uh, and
1: then we'll come back to the
2: Andorians We'll 10 bring the Klingons back a couple of times. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, how about a Ferengi episode? Okay, uh, Trip sure. gets pregnant. Okay, yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah, that'll kill, that'll kill a couple.
1: Uh-huh. That's seriously what it feels like. Yeah.
2: Just going down the list. Okay, we got 22 episodes
1: now. Yeah. Uh, Send
2: them over to the boy world. to fill, to flush out.
1: <laughs> the temporal cold war will fill out like uh six or eight of those. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Will it? Really? Yeah. Oh, it will. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I, I feel like we uh we, we've pretty much summed up our feelings. We can we can jump into the mail here. Yeah. Uh first one comes from Lauren. Uh Lauren's done so, some fantastic art for us before. Great dude. Hi. Uh he, he he drew the uh, the caricature-style drawing of um, uh chasing Kira, a la the Roadrunner. And, uh, oh, that's a
2: great one. I had that for my wallpaper for a while. Yeah. yeah. Quite, quite good.
1: He also did a uh, Nick and Willikins thing for our mm-hmm. most recent radio play, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, he says, Hey, guys. He, he says it's in the Armist voice. So good, I good. Like that. Hey, guys. Haven't written in a while, but I still love listening to you every single week as you oh, dive thanks, into... Bud. As you dive into what history will surely record as the last foray into Rick Berman's Star Trek, I must say I'm kind of excited. Not because I enjoyed Enterprise, but mostly because, unlike Voyager, which I didn't watch much of, I actually remember this one. I really got caught up in the hype when it premiered, and, like Al, I stuck with it all the way through the season two before I gave it up in in disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the show did some great things in its final two seasons, but I haven't bothered to go back. Much like NASA collecting data from a deep space probe, I will eagerly be awaiting your report on the unknown as you cover this show. Mm Good or bad, you guys are great, and I'm happy to keep listening. Well, thank
2: you, Laura. Yeah, thanks, man.
1: That just makes me sad thinking of the uh, Saturn probe that they just crashed into Saturn yesterday. (laughs) You saw that, right? I
2: did see that, yes.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. And if Star Trek has taught me anything, that thing is not dead. It has collided with something that will then come kill us later.
2: Yeah, it's it's, uh, brought sentience to Jupiter. Saturn, excuse me. uh,
1: Yeah, Saturn. Come on. Jupiter already had sentience. That's where the space baby is. Yeah, it's going to start shooting
2: its rings at us. Like the bo- like like the third boss in a shooter game.
1: Is that a is that a thing in shooter games?
2: Where you fight Saturn?
1: Sure. No sh- shooting rings.
2: Oh yeah, totally.
1: Okay, I have no idea. I... Video games might yeah.
2: come out of him like his Ubre Yeah, all right. It's my ray Brock.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: this one comes from Dalton, and oh, he he says, I guess we mentioned in passing that we wouldn't mind having the show transcribed. And offers his services. Uh, uh, no thanks. I appreciate the offer. But, yeah, thank uh, you. But uh, I, I, um, I have some voice recognition software that I actually occasionally run. Like, did we ever talk about this? I don't want to sit and listen to this hour long thing. Let me right. run it through. And uh, but yeah, it's, it, I, I barely want to do the episodes in the first place, so I definitely don't want to retread them. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. I love doing this. Yeah. Uh, or I would if I liked the show. <laughs> you will again someday. You know, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Discovery premieres in two weeks, so I guess we'll find out. I mean,
2: there's always o- there's always the other shows.
1: Yeah, but that's only going to carry us until Discovery's done. It's true. Unle- I mean, unless you want to keep doing it indefinitely, we could do that.
2: I kind of like the. I mean, we'll see when we get there, but I kind of like the idea.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to commit to anything that people are going to because we already once said we're going to do a Batman show, and I don't think we're going to be doing that. now. Yeah, but I mean, we could. But we are definitely in it as long as there is Star Trek, for sure. Sure. Beyond that, I am certainly open to the possibility. I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, this one comes from Puzzled Lobster.
2: Hello, Puzzled Lobster.
1: And it says, sorry for the extra long messages. And then there are several giant paragraphs. Uh, let me just skim here a bit. Uh, I am Matt's biggest fan. That's good to hear. Uh, I think. All right. R.I.P. Adam. Well, West. you don't
2: well, uh, you don't fucking misery me. That's fine. <laughs> Your number one uh, fan. Yep.
1: Is that going to be remade? I assume because they're, they're yeah, know, it was
2: remade normal. as a uh, as a Broadway play starring a disinterested Bruce Willis. What really? Oh yeah, I was not aware of this. And, or, uh, actually, I
1: think I, I think you mentioned this to me once a long time ago. so I've, I have a vague recollection.
2: Okay, so they made this. Uh, they they made it a, into a play that had to be stopped. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Bruce Willis was so disinterested in pl-
1: in being in it.
2: Well, then why did he do it? Uh, for the money. Wow. Oh. Because Bruce but, Willis at this point will do anything for the money.
1: Then why didn't he keep doing it? I you got me. <laughs> Very uh, well.
2: But apparently, uh, 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 Annie Wilkes was played by uh, uh, Roseanne's sister from Roseanne, okay. and she was oh. fucking great.
1: Ro- I I never watched Roseanne, so I don't know who that is. Oh, okay.
2: Um, but, I don't know her okay. real name I just know her as the, the sister from Roseanne ah
1: no nope, never never really watched Roseanne
2: but uh, definitely uh, definitely in her wheelhouse
0: yeah,
1: fair enough or her Wilkes house
2: yes that was terrible where all of misery is set
1: <laughs> that's true it is um, let's see this one is from David congrats on finishing Voyager Okay. oh yeah we did finish it feels we like we're still doing Voyager in so many ways that I forgot we, we did that uh dear Matt, I'd like to congratulate you on finishing Voyager. I know it was a, a slog, but I want to thank you. Your podcast in addition to being entertaining, get me to reevaluate parts of Voyager. While my overall opinion on the show has not really changed, I did have to reconsider some of my early prejudices. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought you might both enjoy this video demonstrating a particular writing tick of Voyagers. This is a supercut of every time someone said some kind of <laughs> Uh, and we'll put that in the show notes, obviously, at Uh <laughs> Ah, Voyager, you were some kind of a show. <laughs> <laughs> On to Enterprise. I hope you find some enjoyment with at least reviewing the show. I was going to try and watch along with you, but Broken Bow, or, or Bow, we never quite determined which it was, <laughs> uh, nearly broke me. I'd forgotten how petulant and whiny I find Archer. The whole mm-hmm. bit about the Vulcan racism makes Archer seem super entitled. And because he seems to be arguing, the Vulcan sabotaged his father by not giving him the technology. Yeah, I didn't get an A in my math class because the teacher didn't give me the answers to the test. Yeah. Archer is the special boy of Starship Captains, which sucks because I know Scott Bakula can do better. I look forward to your thoughts on Enterprise. Well, now you've heard a season's worth of them, and mm. we pretty much agree with you. Yeah, but it, uh, Yeah, basically. Um... I, I will say he's gotten better uh, about halfway through the season for me. Anyway, I don't know if you mm. agree, but uh he's starting to t- like stop that Vulcan bashing all the time, stopping the, uh, the entitled stuff quite so much. And I'm seeing glimmers of Vacula's acting ability. So, uh,
2: yeah, he's uh, fine, we'll but he's not great like every other captain. Oh, no, no, in Star no. Trek. I still
1: he's still way, way down the list, like of Star Trek characters and mm-hmm. captains. But like he's getting better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll get better enough, but he's gotten.
2: Better. I mean, we'll see, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, this one comes from it says DC, right? Um, hey DC guys. Fontana. No, it is not DC Fontana. You don't know that. Uh, hey guys, congratulations on another series completed. I have made a Voyager reunion as a finale epilogue. I hope you enjoy the new series. Oh, this is the guy who did the uh, the Lego minifigures.
2: Oh shit! Yeah, that was really cool.
1: Um, and there is a whole bunch of these. There is like nine attachments here, which mm. I will I will happily put on the. Uh, in the show notes.
2: Yeah, no, you uh, show me we, these. These are great.
1: Yeah, this is fantastic stuff. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Justin. Uh, hey, Alan, Matt. Hi. Just letting you know that. Oh, you know what? It's, it tells us how to pronounce the broken bow or bow. I kind of don't want to say. <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave that information out.
2: This it this says B O. Well, wow, that can't be
1: right. <laughs> yeah, B J <laughs> O O with a slash through it and two dots over it. W broken biao. Bro. Uh, Thanks for the continued podcast excellence. I, I don't know that. Thank I'm you. That
2: far. Uh, look, man. I'll take. i I'll take it.
1: Look, this is false humility. I know we're excellent. I just, oh, oh, I don't know about that. Man. Oh, it's like that bit in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide where uh, he's like, "Earthman, that was brilliant." Uh, well, it was nothing really. Oh, was it? Well, never mind. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Deke, long, long-time long writer Deke Winsome. Hi, uh, hey, Deke. Says, so, I'm going to try to suffer through, uh, I mean, watch Enterprise with you. Hey, it's the least we oh, can do. I don't know that that's necessary. Look, we're, the reason we tell you what happened is so you don't have to suffer through it yourself.
2: Yeah, and then when we get to a good episode, just watch that.
1: Yeah, we'll tell you which ones to watch. Just do I'm not what we say.
2: I'm not suffering so that you can also suffer, like...
1: I mean, I, I understand certain nerds are very completionist they want to see everything and and I respect that Mm -hmm. but you know we are the canaries in the coal mine you don't have to yeah and if you tend to find that you agree with us then just watch the ones we say we like
2: yeah you can also be watching other good shows man the good place just came on Netflix go to town
1: oh yeah and hurry up and get caught up because that's coming back in a couple of weeks
2: yeah do not look. Do not do any research
1: into the Good Place. No, do not. It is an it is a fantastic show that if you read the summary, like the the uh, premise of, mm-hmm. will kind of spoil. Like it's it's much more fun for you to discover it on your own.
2: Yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy Mark was in town for uh, Rose City last weekend, and mm-hmm. I basically just turned to him and went, "Have you seen the Good Place?" And he said, "No," and I
1: just turned it on. Yeah, don't give him any context. Just drop him in. Yeah, it was the great. the thing is, it is great comedy with a. Fantastic cast. It is co-created by, uh, Mike Shore, who made, uh, Parks and Rec with Amy Schumer, uh, not Amy Schumer, Amy yeah. Polar. Um, so like, it's, it's got a good comedy pedigree. Isn't, also, that uh, guy-
2: Drew Goddard on that show too.
1: Uh, yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, uh, co-creators of Lost, as I recall. Yeah. So like, there's, there's a lot of good creative people behind it. It is great comedy. It comes highly recommended for both of us, but seriously, don't look into it. Just, just check it out. Just
2: right? watch it. Yeah,
1: you will You will It's
2: definitely. 13 It's 13 half-hour episodes, you'll be fine.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
2: We banged it out in an afternoon.
1: <laughs> I uh, Never mind. Gonna make a sex joke out of that, decided against it. Uh, Deke continues. Uh, anyway, I already watched the pilot to Enterprise years ago, so I figured I'm good there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I watched the second episode of the series this week. <laughs> I must have been tired, because all I remember is there was a lady talking to a slug the way you'd talk to your pet puppy. Then I fell asleep. I had a dream about a sandwich. Then I woke up just in time for the end of the episode and she was talking to the slug. Was there really just 45 minutes of this lady talking to a slug? Is that what this show is? No, there was also a sandwich. You weren't dreaming. I don't think, I don't remember a sandwich. I don't remember anything. Maybe I
2: fell asleep and dreamed about a sandwich too. That could be. Maybe I should have eaten something.
1: I mean, it wasn't in your summary, so you glossed over it nicely. I guess that's true.
2: I glossed (laughs) over a lot of shit.
1: I have threatened before to show up one week without having seen the episodes to see if the uh see if the listeners can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I, I may have already done that. Ah. No, I haven't. But if I do, I'm curious to see if anyone ever notices. Sure. We, at this point we are so on autopilot and maybe that maybe we need to mix up our jokes, I don't know, but uh, mix it up. But I feel like I could just make the same observations. Hey, uh Hoshi was cute in this one and uh trip was fun and everything else was boring. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, yeah, that that could be any episode. Uh, this one comes from Anthony. Hi, Anthony. And he's, it, it's t- entitled "This Week's Enterprise Episodes" uh, from June twenty ninth. I have no idea which episodes those were. Uh, yeah ha- having a generally neutral memory of the series, I decided to watch along with you guys at least until we get through enterprise. I was like the idea of a temporal cold war as it implied the people working behind the scenes were neither Suliban nor from the Federation, but instead were an outside nation that were using pre federation humans Klingons Suliban as pawns. Boy, am I regretting that this week. <laughs> Not bad enough that we get the Space Herpes episode, which I half remembered, but hadn't realized was from this series, but they followed it up with a Wrestle Your trembles style episode. Mm-hmm. I suppose the language is better done than the Woodchuck episode, but still. Keep up the good work, and I hope better episodes are around the corner for all our sakes. I do yeah, too. Yeah, there were a few. Yeah. Af- after that point. Yeah. Not, not many. Um, Next one is from Tony, and he says... Hi, hey Tony. Guys, at the time of this writing, you guys have just released PA 324 with Ben as your guest. Ben makes a point that he likes the opening, and then you guys talked about all the stuff that has happened in real space exploration since the end of Enterprise. But what I hate about that is how the, in- how that intro is how American it is. Look, mm-hmm. I know it's an American TV show, but one thing Star Trek has achieved to some extent is the feeling that in the future we've all come together. Being British, I immediately felt alienated for the first time by a Star Trek show, even with the token HMS Enterprise at the beginning. Mm. i sure you guys saved our asses in World War II. Yeah, I, I get all that, but the thing is the show is about the Enterprise and the ships we're seeing are all the ships called Enterprise.
2: Okay.
1: Like each one of those things, like the Space Shuttle Enterprise, and I'm pretty sure the in-between ones are also called Enterprise. Like, uh,
2: that didn't occur I- to me.
1: Because that became an American thing, mm-hmm. like probably borrowed from the original British, but it be, definitely became an American thing. Like, I I think that's why. And yeah, it does end up making it a bit American centric. And the show does tend to be a bit American centric, I think, mm-hmm. which I don't love. But uh, but I think that's why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he goes on to say there should be like Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin and all. No, that absolutely. That. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. But I think that's why they justified it. Right or wrong, I think that's why they did that. hmm Uh let's see. Uh this one comes from David. Inspired Hi, David. by the inspired by the nicknames thing, language things you probably don't care about. Oh, this is like in that episode where uh Nadette became or Bernadette became Nadet.
2: Oh God, right. Okay. We yeah, about yeah,
1: that. Yeah. He says Dutch nicknames are the second half of names. So Christopher becomes Topher, Katrina becomes Trinty, etc. Huh. Um, 75 years isn't really enough time to change language much, but perhaps they could have chosen to adopt a dead language as their language, like Sanskrit or something. No, I'm actually interested in that. I do like the way languages yeah. work, and I've pointed this out before via uh, um, Hoshi. The show does some cool stuff with language that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Which I do actually like. I'm, I find that stuff interesting. Yeah, I like the name Topher. <laughs> like Topher Grace. Yeah, exactly. Or name a second one. Uh-huh. Well, that's it. Go on. Name Wait,
2: three. Wasn't Topher
1: the name of, like,
2: a bunch of fake robots in the 1950s?
1: Uh, no, that was Tobor because it's robot spelled backwards. Son of a bitch.
2: Damn you, um, Tobor.
1: <laughs> this one comes from Kanuki, who says, Hey, hey space jargon, worry warts, All right. Here's what I hope is an interesting question. Is Enterprise a commentary on uh, capitulation to Bush's America? What I mean is, Archer and company behave like gung-ho, culturally insensitive, self-righteous cowboys because... What? The suits said to themselves, Eh, the zeitgeist has shifted away from that progressive, tolerant, cerebral Star Trek crap. Let's make the show patriotic, pandering action crap. Or is this failed satire? We see the values of proud ignorance and interventionist... Uh, hege- hegemony? Is that how you say that I word? think it's hegemony. He- hegemony. That's one of those words I read, and I know what it means, but I don't think I've ever said it out loud. Uh-huh. Proven wrong as our space Americans come around and eventually found the Federation. I don't. I definitely don't think it was deliberate because the show was developed before nine eleven and before all that yeah. like, uh, flag waving stuff. I, with Bush I can happens.
2: definitely see some of that stuff coming later, but this came out so close to nine eleven that yeah, I don't- it
1: was literally a week or two later, and yeah. they were developing it a year before. So mm. no, I I don't think it was intentional. Like I think I think they're just writing what they think. I I don't know. A lot of people perceive Captain Kirk being like that because that show was written in the sixties. Yeah. And they probably assumed that that must be what the Federation's like. I, it's just laziness to me. Yeah. It's just the writer saying, well, It, I don't it, it know. feels
2: like them going off of the idea of what Kirk was rather than what he actually was. Yeah,
1: because they never watched the show. Yeah, exactly. And they thought, oh, okay, well, what would have led into the crazy space cowboy that was Captain Kirk? Uh, racists, I guess. Uh-huh. Ugh, I guess.
2: Yeah, send all your racists into space. Actually, anyway, that's a pretty do, good idea.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Make them someone else's
2: fucking problem.
1: No, 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 no. Don't give them any life support. Just shoot them in the space until they, like, freeze to death and explosively decompress. Yeah, that sounds good. Yep. Uh, anyway, Kanuki, no, you were reading way too much. Suck it, like, racists. Giving, you were giving them way too much credit as far as, like, uh, uh, subtext. Mm-hmm. Like, they 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 didn't think about it that much. I am positive.
2: I will be interested. Like I said, I'll be interested to see how sort of the later stuff develops. Yeah, but, we'll see. You know. Right now, it seems, no.
1: The thing, we've said this over and over again, and I still stand by this. Star Trek, almost universally, when they try to do an issues show, where they try to do something that addresses a real-life thing that's happening, almost always fails. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a couple of exceptions. But they usually suck at it, and I still, to this day, don't get why they get so much credit for being so great at that.
2: Every I mean, I say it was because of the original series doing what it was doing before anyone else was doing it
1: but they didn't even do it before anyone else was doing it. Twilight Zone did it all the time. Yep, that is true. And 10 years before and way better. Mhm. Like it wasn't subtle there, but it was more subtle than like the Omega, what was the Mega, Omega? Uh
2: crap, I don't know. Uh, yeah, remember. the Omega something or other.
1: I want to say the Omega Directive, but that was in uh Voyager. The Omega Factor, crap. The the Combs and the Yangs.
2: Yeah, one. no, the most like oh.
1: Yeah. Omega the Glory, the
2: most ham-fisted, like
1: yeah. The Omega Glory was the episode. That's it. Thinking. Yeah. Was
2: um, that the one but, that ended with like, and it was like they found the Bible or something.
1: Yeah, the sun that they worshipped was actually that was the, the sun. The, the, the sun
2: was Jesus. Yeah.
1: And that's subtle, but the oh. communists and the Yankees. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was that was a fucking basket of turds. That was also Roddenberry's like yeah. fucking baby.
1: No, and and reading behind the scenes stuff, I later discovered that was one of his original pitches from season one and it didn't make it in until season two Yeah, because it was a terrible fucking idea. It went way on the back burner until they ran out of stuff and then they resurrected it. It's like, really, Gene? But then you also got like black on the left side, white on the right side. Like yeah. there's plenty of just they they weren't very good at it. There again, there are exceptions. Don't mm-hmm. don't write in and say, Yeah, but what about this one? No, there's probably one or two in each series that did yeah. it right, but five or ten in each series that did it very badly. Like I I would love it if the show were good at making political commentary on current events, but they're just not very good at it. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Danny. Danny says, hi Danny. Hey guys. Glad you like the Andorian look and to spare you the false hope of Vulcan's portrayal only gets worse right up to the end uh, of the series due to Rick Berman. Yeah, no. Uh, of back course back. it fucking does. Good. Good. Thanks for that. Uh, Oh, this is a, an, uh, a podcast, uh, co- from a, uh, woman at warp. It's called. Oh, okay. Uh, women, excuse me. Women at warp. Mm-hmm. It's an interview with Melinda Snodgrass who wrote measure of a man. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And it's a quote from her that says, I mean, I remembered Rick Berman going on and on about no Vulcans or those stupid people with antennas and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, uh, well, why are you running the show? You know, if you hate it this much, why are you running it? Wow. Oh, that's a, that's a quote from Melinda Snodgrass.
2: Wow. Yeah. Thanks for uh, proving all of our assumptions, Melinda Snodgrass.
1: No, I mean, it, it, the 50-year mission totally backs all this stuff up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any any additional quotes to back up? You know, I, I, at this point, would like to see something that says Rick Berman was great and loved Star Trek and contributed something good, because mm. can you think of anything?
2: No. Yeah. Uh
1: Also, a week or two ago, I had mentioned that thing about the music, about uh, Berman wanting the music to be deliberately lame.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I did manage to find a quote to back that up. Like I I Yeah, I saw I I saw you did that, yeah. I put that on our Tumblr, uh, if you want to see, and it's also in the fifty year mission. Like Mm -hmm. I wanna be I've been real bad about um citing my sources on stuff like that. I don't want to just say this guy did an awful thing and leave it at that. Yeah. Like there is there is definitely precedence for that. Uh this one comes from Deke. Hey Deke. Again says Okay, so the course has been charted at this point. The crew of the Enterprise will charge full speed ahead into whatever stupid situation they could have avoided simply by listening to the advice of one of the crew members because of space racism? (laughs) Actually, this whole thing is Deep Space Nine's fault. Wait, don't throw things at me. Remember the episode where the Vulcans were on the station and being all smug and they played some baseball and the Vulcans won and then they were all smug again? Yep, those Vulcans were assholes. So apparently the writers of Enterprise saw those asshole Vulcans from one episode and decided that's what all Vulcans are. A bunch of filthy space races. That makes of sense. Of course I can't talk. So am I. I've never trusted Klingons and I never will. I can never forgive them for the death of my boy. They're animals. Let them die. Also, are you missing Seven of Nine yet? Well,
2: yes. Was your son killed by Klingons?
1: Klingon bastard killed his son.
2: Oh my god, I'm sorry.
1: Apparently. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, Oh, speaking of, I don't have things to back me up, I'm gonna have to dig this up. This is a note to myself to find Uh this before I post the show notes. Because this one comes from Alice. Uh, Alice says, Where did you hear that Jolene Blaylock hated Star Trek and Star Trek fans? What I've read is that she grew up watching the original series and was particularly fond of Spock, but I just never got into the sequel series from the 80s and 90s, which I imagine she had in common with many listeners before they started listening to your podcast. I haven't seen anything about her feelings about the fans, though, although I've read she doesn't attend conventions. But maybe you're right, and it's because she can't stand Star Trek fans. Um, back when Enterprise started in 2001, given her role on the show, not to mention her costume, how do you think the fans of this new, sexed-up Star Trek show treated her? Uh, do you think they respected her as an artist? Me neither. Have you ever attended a con while simultaneously having boobs? It's not always a fun experience. Imagining attending a con uh, devoted to a TV show where you wear a skin tight costume that draws attention to said boobs in Mm -hmm. 2001. When nobody thought twice about homophobic jokes on primetime television and being stuck in the friend zone was considered a legitimate complaint. I've never met Blaylock and I'm just speculating. But if she didn't like the fans, maybe it's because she didn't like the type of attention she got from them, which was probably very different from the type of attention given to her male co-stars or the female stars of other better written Star Trek shows. Or maybe she's just a bitch. Like I said, I've never met her. I don't mean to lecture. But I've always been really impressed with your recognition and understanding of women's issues. So if any men can empathize with a pretty girl surrounded by horny guys, it's you too. Well, thank you very much for saying yeah. that. I don't, I, we try and I'm sure we fail sometimes, but we do try.
2: You, that's entirely fair
1: too. Like I do need to find some stuff to back this up. I do know. I do remember. What I remember, I, and I, I really didn't listen to this show much, but it happened to be on at the time. I was listening to freaking Howard Stern. Which does not give me much feminist credentials, I realize. No, I, I just, I, I happen to have it on and, oh, the chick from the new Star Trek's on. Let's hear what she has to say. And she was going on and on about mm. how she hated the fans. And that really stuck with me. Like, I, I definitely remember her saying stuff like that. Like, uh, the terrible fans. And she might have been playing it up for Howard Stern because sure. it's funny, but I know there's other stuff and I will find it and I will provide documentation because as I recall, she did not care for like, you know, the whole con scene. And maybe it's maybe it's what Alice says here. I don't know. That's
2: entirely possible. It makes a lot of sense, honestly. Although,
1: although I will say. um uh Jerry Ryan didn't seem to have that problem. Like same conditions, same everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody's different. Who knows? Like, that doesn't mean those aren't valid concerns. I just will say, like. Jerry Ryan had to deal with the same stuff and she seems to be OK. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that is what I remember. But, anyway. uh, This one comes from Deke. He says, wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? I just watched the episode Silent Enemy, and I have to say it wasn't bad. Archer showed humility for his earlier hubris and acted like a captain instead of a petulant child. Uh, The characters spend time trying to get to know each other. One of the ship's crew is possibly on the autism spectrum, but it's not called out by name and clumsily played out. Everyone's pretty likable. The Deadly Danger was unique and not explained away by predictability. Uh, either this was actually a pretty decent episode of Star Trek, or I shouldn't have eaten those mushrooms I found in my backyard.
2: Stop eating mystery mushrooms. You're not Super Mario.
1: Which one was Silent Enemy?
2: Ah, uh, it sounds familiar. Hang on.
1: Was that the... Oh, that's the one I think where they were going to turn around and go back home because that that ship was too powerful for them. Enemy. Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. That's probably it. Yep. Uh, I'll just click this here. and ah, I think it was the one where those super powerful aliens showed up and were kicking oh, their fuck. ass. Oh, fuck, these are the, 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 the cool-looking aliens, too. Yeah, no, I, as I recall, we liked that one, yeah? Mm. I don't, I, I seriously don't remember. I feel so bad that... This is
2: also the one where they spent, where Hoshi spends the episode trying to figure out that Malcolm likes pineapple.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I like which, that one.
2: Which now we realize is because he wanted to fuck it.
1: Well, yeah. He saw American Pie and said, I can do better than that.
2: Look at the bum on that pineapple.
1: <laughs> I'm, uh,
2: I'm gross.
1: He's pretty gross. Uh-huh.
2: Bum. I'm a gross grossy.
1: I'm a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called food library. <laughs> um, this one comes from John Wiggins. He says... Mm-hmm. Uh, having the hatred that I have for Enterprise, well, except the Dear Doctor one, I'm going to ask a question about something else instead. All right. Uh, with Discovery coming, maybe, why not have a series on just the Ferengi or just the Klingons or, oh, wait, scratch that. A series on Klingons would be the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, look like a good idea. Hang on. Why not a Star Trek Holiday Special where there are no subtitles and everything's in Klingon or some other alien language we have to hear? Is B. Arthur still alive? No. I can uh... definitely say she is not. I, is she not?
2: No, because there's a... So at work, we have a bunch of, like, uh, library carts that we used to push shit around all the time. And most yeah. of them have stickers on them because leaves uh, yeah. crap lying around and someone's yep. going to put stickers on it. And one of them is a picture of all of the Golden Girls, and each one that's died has an X through it.
1: Ah, yes. Well, I, oh, that's right, because uh, Betty White is the only one left and there's all kinds of terrible jokes about her being a Highlander or whatever. Yeah, she has all the powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the powers of the other Golden Girls, which yep. is... Um, Being crabby, uh, also being crabby and sex. Yep. I'm trying to think of what like that was actually a fun show. I'm not going to diss it at all, but uh, I'm trying to think of what their powers are. (laughs) And when they unite, they they form uh, Gold Voltron. (laughs) But Sophia and Dorothy both just basically had the powers of being crabby. Like Uh they they could completely like tell you off with with expert level sarcasm, but.
2: I don't know. I, I haven't seen The Golden Girls in years. I know that it's excellent and, like...
1: I don't know that it's... I wouldn't say excellent, but as a as a sitcom of its era, it's definitely one of no, the... No, I've heard ones. it definitely holds up. Um, I watched it with my grandmother, so it was yeah. just one of those shows that you can enjoy with a family member, so you yeah. Know, like... Yeah. I, I used to watch I, it with my mom when I was a kid. I often had to go to grandma's house, like, Saturday night and mm-hmm. oh, good, we'll watch The Golden Girls. And I later found out that Mitch Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development, uh, yep. worked on that show, so... Yes, he did. Some of the, like... Some of the, 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 uh, dialogue is particularly sharp because of him, so. Uh, and good actors, like I, I think those, those women were oh, really yeah. funny, so. You know. I, I don't know that I'm gonna be going back and watching it anytime soon, though.
2: I mean, I might when I run out of cheers, but there's like 12 seasons of that I gotta watch still. Yeah.
1: Um. Let's see. This one comes from Alice. I recently rewatched Broken, and the decon scene left me with questions. I find it hard to believe that by the year 2151, neither humanity nor the Vulcans, v- Vulcanity, have come up with a way to apply a decon gel to one's own back. <laughs> uh, we already have the technology to apply soap to your own back right now.
2: Yeah, we do, actually. Surely
1: in 134 years, someone could adapt the sponge on a stick. <laughs> For use in decon. Alice, I love the disdain with which. Oh, no, no, I, I, that was my emphasis. But, <laughs> oh, my uh, God. It's just a, a great sh- sentence.
2: Sponge on a stick.
1: Maybe sponge on a stick technology was lost during the post atomic horror? Also, uh, what happens if there's only one person in decon? Is that person just shit out of luck?
2: Yeah. Apparently he lies on the floor like Trip.
1: <laughs> you, just, uh, you just rub yourself in it like a dog rubbing himself in something smelly. Mm hmm.
2: I mean, Trip does that whenever he finds something smelly. You think? Oh, yeah. I found a skunk. I, Captain, I found a dead skunk and I rolled around in it.
1: That just makes me think of that Bojack bit. Yep. Where Mr. Peanut Butter did that.
2: Oh, uh, and then I ran inside to try and rub myself on everything to try and get the me smell back. <laughs> but that just made things worse.
1: No, don't shake off!
2: Don't, don't shake off! Don't shake, oh. Mr. Peanut Butter.
1: It sounds like oh. a skunk skunked another skunk and then smoked a joint. Oh, yeah, I smoked a joint after that happened. <laughs> oh, fuck. Bojack Horseman's a really good show. I'd much rather be watching that. Uh-huh. And I've seen it all the way through, like, three times. And I'd much rather watch that than mm-hmm. this. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Steven. Oh, uh, Stephen is an old friend from uh, the, the message board you and I met on from years and years ago. Oh, uh, sure. Who is catching up on like, old episodes, so I, I believe he'll be chiming in occasionally with things that we have long forgotten. Okay. And this one says, Matt's Pulaski fell off the ship comment didn't receive the accolades it deserved. Thank you. <laughs> I don't remember that. I
2: don't remember that at all either, but it definitely sounds like something I would say.
1: Pro- I'm guessing on in in uh, Season 3 when Pulaski just sort of disappeared. Uh-huh. Yeah, she fell off the ship. <laughs> That's probably where that came from. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, uh, this one comes. complaining all the way down. <laughs> Can you just fall through space? I th- I would think you just float.
2: Yeah, that's how that's how we got rid of the uh, the Kryptonian criminals in Superman too. They fell through space.
1: Yeah, but they fell through the um, the the Arctic, like the I don't know. They fell into the North Pole or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then we dropped it in space, and it fell through space.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah, I I can't say as I like. I love that movie. I grew up loving that movie. But a lot of that last sequence makes no sense to me. Like wrapping them in a big cellophane s. I, I've still never seen it. Uh, what? You've never yeah. seen Superman
2: 2? I've never seen Superman 1. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen this any of those original four Superman
1: movies. I have I have dedicated myself to no longer shaming people for not seeing things. No. I, I am just surprised.
2: This is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I never got around to that. Okay. Well, I stand by the first two. I think I watched some of the first one and found it boring. Really? Like, it took too long to get for Superman to show up. It does. I was the, I was the guy who, like, got bored in Batman 66, the movie, which is one of my favorite Batman, like, Batman things when I was a kid. Because there's a, that 10 minute sequence when uh, Bruce Wayne is being seduced by a uh, uh, fake Catwoman.
1: Okay, but That's... are we talking about, like, Matt age 8 being bored yes. or Matt age 30 being bored?
2: Uh, Both. Really?
1: You're when I went back to that
2: movie, I was shocked by how short that scene actually was, because in my head it was an it was like forty minutes long.
1: Wow, no, there's just occasional character development, you know, where he gets to take off the mask for a minute.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, when I was 6 i I'm like, get back to being Batman.
1: See, like, okay, I'm and again, I'm not I'm not like I, I'm trying no longer to be that guy who's like, You haven't seen this? I haven't seen a ton of stuff either. It's mm-hmm. Just we all haven't. Like nobody's seen everything. It's okay. Yeah. But um nerds tend to do that and myself included i'm trying to stop mm. but there is a good chunk of the of the of the first movie that takes place on krypton which yeah. is still co- a cool sci-fi thing like i i i could see being bored by then uh clark growing up and discovering his powers but like mm. that first movie kind of set the template for all the superhero movies we have now like like the way the origin unfolds like mm. it's it's really cool but no, I, I you know i could see i can see an argument for it not standing up now Mm-hmm.
2: No, I'm, look, six-year-old Matt wants Superman in the fucking costume doing oh, he doesn't something. Get,
1: he doesn't wear the costume for, like, maybe the first hour? Yeah. Like, it's a long time, because there's a lot of backstory. They want to cover Krypton and then Smallville, mm-hmm. and then they want to give you a little bit of Clark Kent before you get Superman. Like, that's, that's all, like, when you're doing a proper Superman origin, you gotta do that.
2: Look, I'm not saying I was a smart kid. I no, definitely I'm, wasn't I'm, a patient kid.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. I, you might like it if you saw it now. I don't know. I, it's the best Superman movie that's ever been made, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's amazing. It just yeah. means it's better than Man of Steel and Superman Returns,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Man of Steel did the same thing. It's like, hey, you want to hear about Superman's dad? I'm like, I do not want to hear about that. Really?
1: That's, yep. I mean, it, it just
2: surprises me knowing
1: what I know about you.
2: I thought you No, uh, into- last Christmas I had like, I fled my family to the basement. I'm like, i might give Man of Steel a ch- uh, chance. It's like still early. Everyone's leaving me alone and I'm kind of drunk.
1: No, like I didn't like Man of Steel for exactly that reason as well. I turned it off after 45 minutes on Krypton. Mm -hmm. I got bored. Yeah, I'm surprised that you don't like it because you're such a like like you're into the deep comic lore that I would think you'd want to see a comic rendition of a, you know, of something like that or a a movie rendition of something from the comic.
2: Really? Yeah, no, it's like that Krypton show they got coming out that's like, hey, it's about uh hey, no, els dad on Krypton. I don't fucking watch that show.
1: Huh. I don't know. I just I just assume any like adaptation of a of a deep nerd comic thing you'd be into. But it's
2: the same thing with Smallville. I spent all the episodes I watched that show, which was not many, but my brother liked it so it was on sometimes just going, What the fuck's he gonna put the fucking costume on?
1: Never. The Spoiler, answer is never. he never did. No. I, I think the last minute of the last episode, and even then, the actor argued, yeah, that he didn't want to.
2: No, like it, the last shot of the show is him opening his shirt, and it's like the Superman shirt underneath. I think.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't know. Anyway, That show is on for 13 years. Yeah, I'm aware, and they shot a bunch of it near where you used to live. I know that. Yep. So. Yeah, no, the Smallville Coffee
2: Shop is my local th- was my local theater. Huh. Yep. Saw it well. all the time.
1: I, I think you may have been born slightly too late to really appreciate, uh, Richard Donner Superman, but I really liked it. That's entirely possible. At the, at, like, through until maybe the first X-Men movie or the first mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie, whichever one of those came first. I don't remember. But up until that point, it was easily the best superhero movie.
2: But, I mean, also when I was a kid, Superman, like, I wasn't the huge Superman fan in the world. Right. He, you know, he was fine, but like. Right. You know, Batman was around. And I really liked Batman. <laughs>
1: Honestly, we could just spend the rest of the show talking about Superman, but we should probably end. Oh, Superman. easily. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Spurious K. Awesome. Uh, and he says, Archer smells because that's a funny joke. Ugh. <laughs> uh, thinking about Archer versus grumpy space truckers and their pirate problem. The smug future man speech was a problem because it quite simply was an entirely unearned smug future man speech that wasn't actually offering a solution and just complaining that they were defending themselves in pretty extreme circumstances. The enterprise wasn't doing anything to help. Yeah, there's been a lot of that in this. Show. Yeah, um,
2: we've done yeah. the smug future man thing before, but like <laughs> Archer definitely hasn't earned that shit yet.
1: No, he absolutely hasn't. I didn't like it in any of the other series either, though. No. Like, I usually got... Like, that's, that was one of our big arguments against uh, the... Early the now, uh, TNG. Well, yeah, but also the now infamous past tense.
2: Uh, yeah, right.
1: Because they went on and on about how they'd fix this problem, but they didn't say how. Mm-hmm. But but you're definitely right about early TNG as well. They got better about it as they went. We're awesome. On.
2: I don't know if you know this or not, but Earth is pretty great. Yeah. Someday I'm going to play a turd in a movie.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm Captain uh, Picard you know I'm pretty sure he was cast there just so they could make the number one number two joke. Like I think yeah, that's that the sense. entire the entire reason for that.
2: I haven't seen that movie nor will I, but uh yeah, that that seems pretty likely. Yeah.
1: Um let's see. Uh there there's a lot here that's basically saying yes, you guys are right. I I don't want to like, I mean we are, but thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. Hooray for us. Um Dr. Flox versus dating has a similar smug future man problem, kind of. Can't even express just how much I hate that ending being presented as a good thing. Oh, this was Dear Doctor, the one we liked. And Uh I believe this is the argument that I read. It was like, oh, maybe I don't like it anymore. This uh, this listener has a good point. Um, It was the choice to not help based on the vague idea that maybe these other people off-planet... Are on the planet, who are treated better than most humans treat other humans, might eventually replace the ones that <laughs> are there. Without even an established prime directive to fallate <laughs> behind the choice not to help, uh, just pure bad decision-making. Uh, they had the cure. They could have done it. Sure, not giving them warp drive when they're not capable supporting it technologically is smart, but not giving them the cure despite having it, uh, because somehow the doctor thinks they simply don't deserve it. Again, following that evolution has an intent and direction crap from Jameway versus uh, Warp 10 salamanders. Yeah, I mm-hmm. get it. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't even justify uh, it that they're pre-warp because they're already aware and asking for outside help. So basically, saying that was a bad decision. Why did they do it? And I, yeah, you're not wrong. The more I thought about it, the more that is a good point. I still liked that episode, but yeah, yeah. I guess what we really learned about Phlox in that episode is he's an asshole and probably in favor of eugenics because fuck saving anyone else he thinks is in an evolutionary dead end, right? <laughs> I can't even joke about it, that episode was utterly reprehensible, especially for Star Trek character work be damned. Well, I guess that just emphasizes how much I like character stuff, that it kind of overpowered the bad decision making. Yeah. I think I've said that before, though. Any any episode that has kind of a dumb plot, if there's good character stuff, I usually tend to overlook it. Yeah. So, I don't know if you feel differently or not. But. No, you're not wrong. Uh, this one comes from Steven. Uh, this is, let's see. Hi, Steven. Hey, just Steven. Loved this episode, but it doesn't say which one. Oh, no, all right. <laughs> uh, I had just listened to the Pa episode of Time's Arrow, and it was perfect timing for your short Mark Twain interlude in the current Pa Enterprise episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Does Mark Twain come up in any other episodes? More Mark Twain sketches in the future, please. Oh, God, I hate that guy so much. Oh, sorry, it was titled episode 327. I apologize. He did say which one he was. All right. About. I probably brought up that I hate Mark Twain, because uh, I hate Mark Twain. You do hate Mark Twain. What, do you not? I mean, not the writer. I
2: oh. hate I hate him in Time's Arrow, obviously.
1: Well, now I have come to hate the writer just as a direct result of uh, of Time's Arrow.
2: No, I hated him for a while, and then I got over it.
1: Uh, this one comes from Chris. The origin story from Enterprise. Listening over the years, I've heard you guys voice a common complaint about alien items in Star Trek, the tendency to call something alien race Earth thing. For example, an Andorian cat or Torellian viper. Yep. Think if you read between the line, Enterprise answers the question about why this happens. Forget the origin of the Prime Directive, Red Alert, or First Contact Procedures, and tell me you couldn't see this happen. Rigelian Ambassador. Captain Archer, thank you for touring our zoo. This animal is a Archer. That animal looks like a pigeon. Ambassador. (laughs) Well, maybe, but here we call it Archer. We'll call that a Rigelian Pigeon. (laughs) This is my new headcanon.
2: Yep. God, I love the idea of the uh, Enterprise crew going to the zoo.
1: Just naming things.
2: Just mostly because I totally pictured Trip just running ahead of the group, just like, Captain.
1: I knew I found this was going to turn in, I knew this was going to turn into a Trip thing.
2: Yep. Look, Captain, now- a beaver. <laughs> Reptile house. Oh boy, <laughs> Captain, I saw three snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at them. One, two, three snakes.
1: And the Flocks is just walking around with a clipboard. Need it? Need it? Got it? Got it? Need <laughs> it? <laughs>
2: Suddenly, like, reaches over and yanks a chunk of hair out of something in the petting zoo. Thank
1: yeah, you. This could come in handy. And then, uh, as, as Chris suggests here, yeah, I picture Archer with a little one of those little like label makers. Mm hmm. Just every every alien name just like stickering over a uh, an earth name instead.
2: Yep. And Dorian Pigeon.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, and then he goes on, and now for an actual serious question. I've always been a big fan of the third season of Enterprise. It isn't perfect, but it has some really good moments. I've heard you guys another guest, knock it because of the post 9-11 terrorism theme. Uh, Well, in fairness, neither of us has seen the third season. Yeah, we
2: haven't gotten there. Like, we haven't seen those episodes yet.
1: I've seen bits of the fourth season, which everyone swears is great and Mm -hmm. didn't care for it at the time. In context, maybe it's good. But like I saw, they do a Mirror Universe episode. Slight spoiler, which you already know. Yep. And uh, I didn't care for it because I didn't think the evil versions of bland characters were interesting. But if I come at it knowing these characters, I might feel differently. I'm very uh, excited for evil trip. I can't <laughs> even imagine. Captain, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> See, everyone's you the really opposite. You really souped so. up that fanboat. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Um, uh, Chris's question. Uh, if it's okay for the original series to be very much of its time with all the Cold War and Vietnam allegories, is it also okay for Enterprise Season 3 to be of its time and be a post-9-11 allegory? How are the two different? I, I again, we haven't really, like... Guests may have said stuff about that, but we haven't. So mm. it's not really something... Like, feel free to ask us again after we cover Season 3. Yes. But I don't think we're qualified to answer that yet. I will say, in light of what I said earlier, I don't think Star Trek's very good at that. hmm Maybe they were better here? Who knows? Hopefully. But I can't I also, imagine how, but... I also remember... As as a full-grown uh, American adult at the time, uh, not really being able to look at things super objectively right after nine eleven, and everyone kind of being caught up in the, the, the angry, you know, revenge stuff before stepping back and saying, whoa, maybe, maybe that's the bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had asked me on September 12th if Guantanamo was a good idea, I would have said yes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now I do not think that. But it was an emotional time for a lot of us. So, yeah. yeah, what I'm saying is right after might not have been the best time to judge. So, probably the writers might not have been writing great stuff. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I will say Battlestar Galactica covered a lot of that ground very well. Mm-hmm. Like, they dealt with a lot of those issues very, very effectively. So, it's possible. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm, cur- I'm currently getting my Alan Matt from Pa. I'm getting my Alan Amanda from We're Trying. Can we get a Mass Effect podcast that is Matt and Amanda? That would be awesome.
2: Would it? I don't know. I mean, it would be for me
1: and probably Amanda. Well, there you go. Then who cares? <laughs> if there's one thing I know about podcasts is uh you, like just do it and enjoy yourself. That's true. And hopefully people will enjoy it, but maybe they won't, who knows. I don't know. I can't see either of you doing that.
2: I certainly can't see myself learning to edit. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I, I do appreciate the plug for We're Trying, though. which Yeah, by the We're way,
2: Trying's uh, a real good podcast. I'm behind by one, but uh, thank you, you guys are doing it. real good work.
1: I, I appreciate that. That is actually yeah. the, the best one we've done so far, I would say.
2: Oh, cool. I'll people. check it out. Then. So, uh,
1: it's a half-hour podcast that Amanda and I do where we we are going out into the world and trying things we haven't done before. Hmm. So that's a thing. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Sean. Uh, I just wanted to thank you for all your hard work. I, I don't know that I'd go that far. I appreciate the sentiment, but, but I, we don't really work hard.
2: I mean, you know,
1: watching the episodes can be. It's, it's, we are consistent. We are, we are, like, we show up every week, mm-hmm. but, but day to day, the work that we do, not very much. Like, the, the hardest thing is showing up. Yeah. Uh, I found your podcast about a season into your Voyager watch and have just listened and have listened every week since. I'm almost oh. caught up with your old episodes as well. I've enjoyed the ride. So thank you again. Well, thank you. Um, It's awesome when new people
2: start listening.
1: Yeah, I I always... always And
2: all uh, continually confusing to me.
1: (laughs) People like us, Matt. Plus... I know. I don't understand it. This is not like... I can't speak to the quality of our show because I can't be objective about that. Sure. I'm happy with what we're doing, but I don't know if it appeals to anyone else. I I have no idea. But I I will say, I think what appeals to a lot of people is knowing that we've covered, at this point, 80% or 90% or whatever it is of Star Trek. Mm Mm-hmm and knowing that if they do find something they like that there's a lot of it
2: that's true like there's definitely a lot of this
1: if you get in the door and you and you like what we do then you good news there's like 300 episodes plus a bunch of bonus stuff like to to go back to which mm-hmm. i is always like as a as a consumer of media always a great thing like let's see what's oh my god there's so much stuff that's awesome i just discovered this show that's in season 10 what 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 fun for me uh, and Sean says, I just ordered my posh shirt and I'm looking forward to getting it. I know you don't really like advertising your stuff, but I think you should mention your store and shirts at the end of your podcast. Every time I, I try, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I, you know, I forget and I hate doing it. Yeah. Uh, people tend to forget about stuff unintentionally and most people will not be bothered by a brief mention at the end. Just my two cents anyway. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a shame thing is all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. But uh, since you brought it up, yes, shirts, so shirts, postatomicorder.com. There's a link right at the top. Buy you buy you a shirt if you want. Yeah, uh, it's got our logo on it on the back. It has Matt's famous catchphrase. Yep, so, uh,
2: you can have say, a shirt.
1: Don't don't say the catchphrase yet, or we have to end the show. Oh, I know. So you know we still got some more mail here. Uh, hey, Matt and Al, I've got uh, this from this from Mike X. Hi, Mike uh, X. Another another long time writer call. Oh yeah, this, this guy goes back. back as far as Deke, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, like to early sarcastic voyage. The old uh, <laughs> the long long ago. Uh, hey, Matt and Al, I've got a problem. I've been watching Enterprise along with you guys, and so far, I'm not hating it. Uh-oh. Sure, the characters are somewhat dull, like Blando the Engineer and Blando the Gun Guy and hey, Captain hey, Blando. Hey. But this Just is leave this Trip was, alone. Written, this was written in, on August 11th, when we still felt the same way about Trip.
2: All right, fair enough.
1: Um, and Captain Blando, who's at least also kind of a creep. I guess the Doctor's <laughs> yep. okay, and Semitive of 9.1 and Travis and Hoshi, whose names I can remember. But overall, the ship's not boldly going anywhere, maybe lazily ambling with the southern <coughs> accent. <laughs> anyway, that said, I'm still not hating the show. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing I've ever stuffed into my eyeballs, but after Voyager, it seems like fresh air at the end of a long road trip. So my question is this, have Berman and Braga Stockholm syndromed me? Or is this just a case of being fed rotten hamsters for so long that a bologna sandwich tastes good? That is, that is a hell of a metaphor there. Uh-huh. Mike. I'm worried about the future because I hear that enterprise doesn't keep up this uh quality.
2: <laughs> Actually,
1: I what we've heard pretty much across the board is that it gets way better, so I I couldn't say. Um I don't I mean, I've heard a couple of people say, "I don't know what your problem is, I enjoy it." And mm. that's great, but I've never heard a good defense for what we're missing. Like is there is there some aspect of this that I'm just not see like What I see is the same stories I've seen over and over again with characters I'm not super engaged with. Yep. And a lot of retreading of, like, uh, or, um, uh, what's the word I want? Retconning stuff that I liked that I no longer like. Yep. Is I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Like, I don't want to... I mean, not really. It's, you know... It's just, it's not, it's not bringing anything new to Star Trek. No, this is...
2: Everything they show me is something I've seen before and seen better. Like... Yeah. And I guess that doesn't make it a bad show, but it does make it an unremarkable one.
1: No, and it does... Like, it does make me worry about Discovery because it's another prequel. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, you know? just Why are prequels always the way to go with this? You know? I mean, Fucking... I, Well, because if you look at, like, if you open the Star Trek timeline book, you the chronology, and you realize... All right, oh,
2: hang on, let me find it. And no, I got it here. Yeah, All right. me
1: too. Yep. You realize there's a big chunk missing. You realize, like... Zephram Cochran meets the Vulcans. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Kirk. And you're like, uh-huh. oh, there's a big spot we haven't covered yet. Like, that's... I I get that from a practical standpoint, but it doesn't... It's not interesting. No. And I, I mean, you know, I'm hoping it'll be good. I, We'll see.
2: I... Got I, that alien that can sense death. That's interesting, right?
1: Death!
2: <laughs> I, I, you know... Got someone who was Spock's adopted sister.
1: Yeah, I don't care about that one way or the other. That doesn't. That's not. That doesn't disgust me like it seems to disgust some people. Uh, It is TVMA apparently. Like it's a it's a mature audiences show, which I don't think is the best way to go for Star Trek. That's
2: weird. That's very weird for me. Yeah. Like I like you know, I'm I'm down with them doing a darker show like because that's how they that's how TV is is now. Like
1: it doesn't have to be though. Like it really doesn't have to be. In like, fact, right now, with I would say a lot of us not particularly happy with the way the world is going, maybe we want the other direction. No, you're not. You're not wrong. Especially like someone just brought up, like the original series was came on when Vietnam was happening, and so yeah. here's a bright future where maybe all this race riots and and horrible wars and stuff maybe aren't happening, and things are together now. Like that yeah. might that might be a good idea for right now. But I'm again. I don't want to prejudge it. I just have a bad feeling.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as someone who watched Star Trek as a very small child, like <laughs> both uh, original series and Next Gen, like I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. I I don't know. We'll see i it's weird it's, we- it's very weird, if nothing else
1: I will say as of this recording c b s has done that thing that's never a good sign, which is no one is allowed to publish a review until after the show airs
2: that's weird, like that's yeah. a weird worrying thing to do with your fucking new star Trek show
1: usually, what that means is we are not happy with how this came out, and we don't want anyone to know that
2: yeah we sw- we want to get all those uh maybe all of those uh uh negative uh, reviews yeah, 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 yeah exactly.
1: To our elite uh, stream. Before
2: anyone realizes that we put out a piece of shit. Yeah,
1: we'll see. I don't know. I'm not going to subscribe anyway. I'm I, unless I have like unless I absolutely have to. I'm mm. pretty sure you're going to be able to buy these a la carte on uh, like iTunes and Amazon oh, yeah. and stuff. I'm just going to buy episodes one at a time and and or subscribe to the season or whatever. But yeah, I'm not going to fucking subscribe to CBS All Access. Yeah, fuck you. But I you know there's there's a great uh, article, and I will link to this in the show notes as well on i o nine recently about how badly the marketing for this show has been handled, like oh God right, I read that article yeah they're they're having a real hard time uh, conveying what it is, and maybe that's why I have an uneasy feeling because they're not doing a good job of telling me what it's supposed to be because there's been conflicting yeah like what is it Star Trek is it not is it is it in like they've hinted that it might not be in the same universe like it's not in the in the new uh JJ Abrams timeline but it might not also be in the timeline of the original series so
2: See, I said that, like as soon as I saw the first trailer I'm like okay no you're lying about it being in the original uh timeline cuz this looks like JJ Abrams stuff nah, they like.
1: might still just be building on the like cuz those movies did a good job of updating the 60s aesthetic mm-hmm. they might just be taking their design ideas, but putting them into the, you know.
2: I mean, I guess that's true, but, like, just from what I've seen so far, it it absolutely looks like the 10 years ago of what the uh, J.J. Abrams stuff looks
1: like. Yeah, but I think, like, I think they might just be going for that because it worked. Like, I don't think, I don't think the story might necessarily be set, you know, Mm. in that universe. Well, I mean, obviously, we'll find out very soon. Yeah. This month. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. This one comes from Matthew. It's you. Hey guys, welcome to the greatest new show on TV, The Office in Space. Meet our hero, t- Captain Michael Archer Scott. <sighs> as he bumbles around the galaxy. This is the second person describing what they're doing as bumbling around the galaxy. <laughs> oh sorry, the other guy said ambling around, didn't he? Or something like that? Yeah, ambling. Yeah, just sort of the b- b- stumbling, bumbling. Bungling. Uh, looking for hijinks and fun, seeing if people in space might be his friends, since no one on Earth would be. <laughs> meet his nemesis from corporate <laughs> Paul Jan the Vulcan Tapal is constantly trying to bring a business like approach and sensibly uh, cautioned the enterprise branch and Captain Scott ain't having none of it meet Scotty's trusty sidekick Dwight Tripshoot fruit excuse me fruit. who comes from a farm in Pennsylvania or Florida or wherever and loves catfish or, or oh was that oh my god there was that Beats. Whatever. But next to the captain, he ain't gonna stop T'Pol from corporate from keeping them having a good time. He's gonna expose that hoity-toity Vulcan for who she is. Also on the show, a bunch of people who could disappear and you'd never know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch, but we do like, uh, thinking of guys on, uh, shows as, as you know, other guys on different shows. Yep. We've done that many times. Uh, I would ooh.
2: take, uh, what's his face? Oh, fuck, who plays Michael Scott?
1: Um, Uh, Steve Carell.
2: Steve Carell, thank you. I would take Steve Carell as the captain of this ship in a minute.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, Stephen Colbert is like the first officer, or vice versa. Yes. Stephen and Stephen. Mm Hmm.
2: Um, I just want like a Daily Show and uh, like Star Trek.
1: Oh yeah, get Sam B in there and like um, all those guys. Hodgman. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Hodgman. I, I forget he was like a an occasional contributor.
2: He was in it enough that I would be like, yeah, put Hodgman in this in this Star Trek show. I'm in, I'm inventing apparently. Yeah.
1: No, I thought about this recently. The Daily Show of the last ten years, like up until like I know Trevor Noah doing a pretty good job, but really the mm. John Stewart era is what I'm talking about. Um, sure. Is is like the SNL of like what 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 you what SNL used to be as far as the next generation of comedians where they started and when they move on to great things. Oh yeah. Like, everyone who came through The Daily Show 10 years ago is now, like, a giant star. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it was interesting. To no, absolutely. Uh, let's see. This one comes from DC. Hey, DC. Uh, oh, oh, this is about that, uh, the, the, to Paul Gets Mind Raped episode. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, and this will be a link that I will, uh, share in the show notes. Uh, hey, guys, I came across this interview from Trek Today. Which Braga goes on, uh, goes into the ideas behind the episode of Fusion as well as to Paul that might explain a few things. Basically, he talks about it as nine and a half weeks, like, which was supposed to be a sexy, steamy movie, and like, this was supposed to be a sexy episode. Ew. And he talks about how it's supposed to be. Sensuality is sexual tension, and there's a lot of sexual tension between, oh boy. I don't
2: yeah. like that, Bur- that uh, uh, Berman seems to think that sexy means rape. Well,
1: this is Braga saying this. Or Braga. But I think Berman also thinks that. Ugh. Gross. He says we have a show coming up where T'Pol gets nasty with a Vulcan, and that's a real sexy show. This is a direct quote from Brandon Braga. Oh god! I will post a link to this. This is this is pretty good, terrible stuff. I'm gonna go puke. No, you can't. Okay, no. well, I'm gonna puke here, and you can all listen to it then. I'll puke my pants. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Duh. Another another real long time. Oh yeah, hey. hearing hearing from all the old guys this week. It's great. How are you? I'm fine. It's been a while, but still listening. So basically my question is, The Oroville. Uh, Fox's oh. zany Star Trek, not Star Trek sitcom show. Thoughts? Feelings? Just saw that Brandon Braga is a producer slash writer. And I'm not <laughs> sure this will blow my mind. Uh, I saw So, Al, did yeah, you? you watched it, Al. What did you think? I did not hate it. I will, I will say this. I read a bunch of really bad reviews. Mm-hmm. I heard a bunch of really bad word of mouth, so I went in expecting an F. Mm-hmm. And I got a C-minus. It's not a good show. I need to very make that very very clear. Uh-huh. It is not I I don't want to I don't feel the need to watch it again. But because I went in with such low expectations, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Because there were things to like about it and I just assumed everything would be terrible and there were some laughs and there was some decent sci-fi stuff and it looked good. Mhm. The design of it is great and the pilot episode was directed by John Favreau. Wow, okay. So if nothing else, it was cool to look at. And it mm-hmm. had that bright look that I wish Discovery had, that that bright, colorful Star Trek look. The thing is, they did a lot of um, workplace humor. Yeah. Which I actually liked. It's a lot of the kind of jokes that we've made about guys sitting on the bridge, and, like, after you're sitting at a desk next to another guy at a desk for eight hours, you start making weird jokes. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of, like, the the helmsman who's kind of a uh, uh kind of a riker tom parisi kind of guy sure and then um like sort of the you know i i I might be getting that wrong but there's a guy who's definitely wharf those two guys instantly become friends and just uh-huh. making dumb jokes there's like uh the captain uh, uh uh gives them all a little speech and the one guy's like hey uh can i drink soda at my console cuz the last captain let me drink soda at my console I, <laughs> that made me laugh just cuz it's like a dumb Thing you would ask a boss in an office, yeah. you know, that kind of jokes. <laughs> um, another interesting thing: um, uh, uh, Cassidy Yates is in it. Oh, okay. Director, uh, Penny Johnson, who played Cassidy, is sure in it. she she plays the doctor. Huh. So that was interesting, and it, it it had its moments. I again, I don't feel compelled to watch it again. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff I didn't like about it, but uh, no, like tasteless rape jokes.
2: Nope. Wow, okay. Well, it that's not have something. any of that...
1: Yeah, a couple of, like, dog-licking-his-balls jokes, but, like, that's about as risque as it got, which was uh-huh. not very...
2: It was, yeah, no, I I meant to watch it for uh, for this episode because I knew we'd be talking about it, and then I watched BoJack instead, and I stand by that decision. Oh,
1: no, no, absolutely. No, the um, thing is, it, again, it wasn't bad, it just wasn't great.
2: Yeah, that's what I... I've been hearing that, like, you know, it was pretty bland, um... It was, you know, it
1: was. I I was
2: was at least interested until I found out that uh, uh, Braga was working on it. And then I was like, fuck this.
1: The thing is, it feels like it feels very much like if you took that humor from like the office, like the workplace Mm -hmm. comedy stuff and grafted it onto next gen. Like there is a robot who is clearly supposed to be data. There is a a big, tough, deep voiced alien who's clearly supposed to be Worf. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, The only thing I really actively hated was the first officer is the captain's ex-wife, and there's a lot of jokes about that. Oh, of course. A lot of horrible wife jokes. And I gotta say, I still laughed at a couple of them despite myself. Like, I knew I shouldn't have. Yeah, for all his faults, Seth McFarlane, like, he can still kind of sell a good, shitty, sarcastic line, and a couple of times uh-huh. I laughed I laughed at his delivery before realizing they were kind of mean and I shouldn't be laughing. Like, I can't help it. Sometimes I'm gonna laugh at, like, a my ex-wife is terrible and I hate her. Like, sure. But... He's, he's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't love myself for laughing, but I did laugh. So, yeah.
2: No, I get it. You, Al,
1: you're human. I know, but I feel like there's certain things I'm trying to get better about. And yeah, uh, no, I get you, it. You know, you absolutely right. Sometimes it's like, well, sorry. I thought that was mm. funny. <laughs> um, but I, again, it was squarely average. Yeah. It wasn't amazing, but because everyone told me it was like the most terrible thing, I just I went in pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I was gonna say I would I would be shocked if it makes another season, but like it's Seth MacFarlane, like his shows just stay around.
1: Well, there's there's the two competing aspects of it's Seth MacFarlane who basically has a blank check at Fox, but yeah. it's a sci-fi show on Fox, which never like never lives. Yeah. So I don't so. know. I don't know which one of those things wins. I see potential in it. I could actually mm-hmm. see it getting better and if it did I'd probably keep watching it. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh this one comes from Richard. Hi Richard. Uh, dear Post-Atomic Catfish. <laughs> uh ever since the recent episode where you discussed Eddington, mm-hmm. I've wanted to hear Matt sing Balthazar Edison Canonical Canadian. Won't you oh, make God. that dream come true?
2: All right. <laughs> I'm No Amy Sedaris, but uh <laughs> Balthazar, Edison, canonical Canadian. Excellent. Pretty pleased um, with how that came out? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Amos Sedaris did. they gave her some really, really awesome uh, tongue twister lines in the season of BoJack, which was great.
2: They apparently fi- figured out that, like, like, they've been doing the, the weird tongue twister lines for since the first season, and apparently they figured out that she's the best one to do them.
1: Oh, you give her, like, uh, like four or five lines of text that is just nothing but the same syllable over again, and yep. she could just nail it every time.
2: She went for like 20 seconds straight in an episode I just watched, and it's like, yeah. holy shit.
1: Yeah, no, it is amazing. I, I occasionally do that to voice actors that, that uh, read my stuff, but never to this level. Now I mean, I it's, it's, that borders on cruel. I do that to you sometimes, because you're pretty good at it. You, you, oh, yeah. When, when you get in the zone and you're reading fast, you can just blow through most things. And then when you slow down to do another take, then you fumble it. Yep. But it's that initial just, okay, I can do this, fine and then you stop no. and think about it, and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, no, I can't. Well, I
2: am a professional. But you just
1: did. Mm. It's, it's that throwing yourself at the ground and missing thing. Yep. Once you notice you're flying, you're fucked, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one comes from Steven again. Uh, you talked about your top ten episodes for TNG, but I didn't hear them in the podcast. Was it a supplemental, or did I miss the... It, it is a list on the website. Actually. Yeah. We both composed uh, top ten lists for uh, all the series so far, I think. Maybe not Voyager. Uh, you have, I haven't. I don't think I did for Voyager.
2: Yeah, I I, I think I did the original series and that's it.
1: Yeah. No, I think you did one for Next Gen, didn't you? Oh, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, that was years ago. Who knows? Our episode guides should have, like, a pretty good idea of what we like, though. So. Oh, definitely. Buy our episode guides. Yeah, sure. Those are, uh, follow the link to store on posttonichora.com. There, see? Yeah. I, qu- I I totally, emphatically uh promoted a thing we do. Yeah, good work. I was, I can't remember why I was looking for, I think I was looking to see if we'd ever made this joke before or something like that. I was looking back through our original series guide and then I started reading it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> about once a year I forget all the stuff. And so yeah. I just like, oh, hey, look at us. We're funny. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a good, they're good books. And I got to thinking maybe we could do, I, this seems a little counterproductive. Uh-huh. Maybe we could do an audiobook version of it. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, this because if you had a one-hour encapsulation of an entire series, uh-huh. that's that's very different than, like, an open discussion that goes on week to week about two episodes. Yeah. It, it might be worth it. So maybe It'll one be, day we'll sit down and record that, and, and we'd probably charge a couple bucks for it. But I'd be down for that. If people are interested in that, we'd, we'd probably do that. Yeah. Um, This one comes from Doyle. And Doyle says... Right. Hi, Doyle. Uh, hello, Ron, quote-unquote, Algar, and Matthew, quote-unquote, Matt... As don't an
2: aspiring Ma- don't call me Matthew. Matthew? You're not my mother.
1: <laughs> I might be. I mean, you might be. We haven't gotten the DNA test back. We don't know. That's that. true. The DNA evidence. DNA
2: evidence.
1: Uh, as an aspiring writer who grew up with Trek, I asked myself this, has Trek become unwriteable? I mean, its fictional universe has grown so unwieldy over its 50-year-plus runtime. You've got oodles of continuity and game-breaking gadgets cluttering the thing. It's the same problem as with superhero comics, which have turned into a story-shaped object assembly line. Stories just weren't invented as a perpetual factory output. They were designed to have a definitive beginning and a definite ending. I could see that point, but there are still good superhero comics being written. Yeah, there are. There absolutely are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah it enterprise is definitely falling into this where, okay, we've backed ourselves into this corner where we only have this and we only have this, but a good writer can turn those weaknesses into strengths. Yeah. they can say having no transporter equals brand new, interesting stories. We've never had mm-hmm. having never met the, the Romulans means this and this and that, you know, like you just need the right writer to find the potential in it.
2: Yeah. I, w- I would say that the giant wheel, the universe is more of a like strength than
1: a weakness. It depends cuz you can get too bogged down into like uh fan service.
2: Well, yeah, but that like that's the that's the author's fault, you know? Like yeah. it's the author's job to be able to take what you take what you know and what you have and still craft a good story out of it. Yeah. No, I like, think the real un- the real universe is pretty big and unwieldy and people seem to have no problem writing about that.
1: That's you- true. Even though it's got all kinds of history that uh, most people aren't aware of. Yeah. That's a good point. No, I look at I look at Star Trek all the time, and I see, you know, there'd, there'd be a good story here. Why didn't they tell this story? Why didn't they follow this guy? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be weighed down by all the continuity stuff. I mean, y- you know, it's it just depends on who's telling the story. Yeah. So, um, let's see. This one comes from Spurious K again. Uh, Hello, P.S. Spurious K. P.S. Not sorry like about name. all the swearing. I don't enjoy being annoyed by Enterprise. <clears throat> I'm going to point back to one of the core complaints about Voyager, other than the fuck Rick Berman one, which is, of course, still incredibly relevant. Sure. Such a waste of potential. Well, not the temporal Cold War thing. I think we're going to have to go more than a few parallel universes over to find out where that was ever a good idea. (laughs) But there's all too many moments of the show zigging where it should have zagged. There's too many obvious fixes, like how everyone just keeps trying to rewrite Voyager in hindsight. Well, yeah. No. With that specific rage-inducing one, I was still talking about the Phlox, uh, uh, Dear Doctor one. Oh, sure. Yeah. They could have just had them uncured, uh, unsure the cure would work. They could have had to deal with not being able to help having to pass things down on the line rather than fix it right there. A simple change to the end of the episode would have left just as decent story, illustrating that they're as capable as, uh, later vessels and crew rather than the sudden left turn into horror that happened right at the end there. But that sums up a lot of enterprise where someone just should have been yelling, stop it, bad dog. (laughs) <laughs> or they should have stopped at Voyager and let it settle for a few years when they sorted themselves out. Anyway, I'm going to watch some DS9 to remind myself why I like Star Trek. After that mess, you guys are still yeah. cool. Thank we you. are, we are cool, aren't we? Oh, I don't know about cool. <laughs> now nah, we're cool, Matt. Hey. Yeah, that. No, you're you're less cool when you do that. Oh. <laughs> oh, now you're cool again.
2: Hey. Um, is it, is it entirely dependent on which letter I say?
1: I, it might be. I'm is not that sure. the coolest? I'm I'm just reacting viscerally. This is These are all just like uh, like uh, instinctive reactions. I can't intellectually break down why it is. B. No, I think it needs to be a vowel sound for sure.
2: R. Oh, wait, no, I'm a pirate. That's also
1: a consonant. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Steven. I've been going through the first few episodes. It's not as polished, like you said, but I don't think you give yourselves enough credit for the content. Uh I know you hate it when people uh, talk sarcastic voyage on this email but I really enjoyed the Aaron Fawcett thanks for the super cut. Well thanks. Oh thanks man. Yeah he had he had asked me if there's a good way into the other show that we did the uh, sketch show sarcastic voyage. Sure. And I said yeah I actually had assembled a, like a best of year to year like here's an hours worth of the best sketches from 2012 2013 and so forth and those are on sarcasticvoyage.com if you're ever interested in the sketch comedy that we mm-hmm. did for for many years. Um so there yeah. there's another plug.
2: We're getting in all the plugs today.
1: Yeah. Uh this one comes You're welcome. From, this one comes from Brian. Oh, this is the guy who loves every Star Trek ever and is writing in to tell us that he loves Enterprise. All right. So I I like I appreciate. Uh he does say I also can't understand your inability to discuss Tucker from uh, to distinguish Tucker from Malcolm. They look nothing alike. Well, we think that now, but in the pilot,
2: no. you know, it was rough. Yeah. Also, I uh, I have trouble with faces.
1: Yeah. There, the thing is, there, there's a few paragraphs here about how he loves Enterprise, but there's really nothing here to point out what makes it like what what we're missing. Mm. Like, what is it about this show that I'm not seeing that makes it good? And it's just it comes down to opinions. It comes down to, no, I like it and you don't. And that's totally that's fair. fair. Yeah. But, you know, um, he says uh, Archer may not be the best captain in the sense that he's constantly getting them all into trouble with his curiosity. But I almost feel like some of these missteps would ultimately lead to the prime directive actually coming into existence in the first place. I've heard this argument that he's supposed to be bad. That doesn't make it a good show, though. Yeah. Like, I don't want to watch them... Like, these writers aren't good enough that I think they're going to make them grow. I think they're going to make them terrible and then forget what they where they were going and just keep making them terrible.
2: Yeah, that seems much more likely. I could be wrong about that. Yeah.
1: But Archer just... He just wants to keep getting into things, and then he gets mad when things don't go right. Like, well... Yeah. You know?
2: Stop Maybe. putting your dick into stuff. Yeah.
1: Hey, what's in this hornet's nest? Ow, hornet stings!
2: Well, <laughs> Dummy?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, that dog next door really looks angry. Ow, it bit me! No shit. <laughs> Captain, are you talking about a dog? <sighs> I'm gonna go chase him! <laughs>
2: Captain, I made a new friend. Can I keep him? No, Trip. That's the neighbor's dog. Oh, man. I'll come over and walk him twice a day. <laughs>
1: I'll, keep, I'll take him on walkies. God, I love Trip. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, this one comes from Dan. Uh, Hi, Dan. Hey, pals. Hello. I'm surprised this has not been brought up, or maybe I just missed it. The actor who plays the Admiral is Vaughn Armstrong, and he holds the records for most separate Star Trek roles played, including Admiral Forrest. He has played 12 different roles across all of Star Trek. Wow. The thing about guys like that is, if they're not exemplary like Jeffrey Combs, I usually don't notice them. Yeah, I'm terrible like that. But if they're like, fine character actors who are good mm-hmm. enough, I just like, oh, maybe I I would recognize them. Oh, this came up recently with that uh, Vulcan ambassador lady. Oh, sure, yeah. Who I recognized from Lost and did not recognize from her other Star Trek appearances because they weren't impressive. <laughs> Uh, Also, props for calling out the rape rape episode. Rape as a plot device is the worst. Yes, it It is. is.
2: I've been saying that for a long time now. Yeah.
1: Uh, I believe that's the official position of this show. Controversial though it it might be. (laughs) Yeah. Glad you guys finally came around on trip. Smiley face. Catfish. (laughs) I do wonder about your Vulcan complaints. It seems like part of the point of having a pre-Federation show is that everyone can suck. Humans can be dumb and suck. Vulcans can suck. Andorians, well, can still be awesome. But basically it seems to make sense on paper that seeing us rise above our pettiness to form the federation would be a good story. Are you guys more upset by the actual premise or the execution?
2: It's the execution. Like the, the thing is these the Vulcans in this are written like nobody ever has any information on what a Vulcan is, you know? Like
1: Yeah, we've never seen any indication that they're like this.
2: Like the pa- like what the other, what the rest of the shows have always shown Vulcans as and if they hadn't I might not have like I would be willing to believe that, like, they start out as jerks and sort of, like, got better. Is that, like, they're these enlightened, like, super advanced species that go around, like, meeting other cultures. Like, that's what interests them, is they've done, they've reached a pinnacle on their planet, and now they're going to, like, spread out and see what other, what everyone else is like. Um, having them as, like, these weird jerks who are trying to keep everyone else down so that they can, like, be what feels like just being the top of the shit pile in the universe. It, it really sucks.
1: And it doesn't really jibe with the way Vulcans are supposed to be. That feels yeah. like a very emotional, petty thing to do.
2: Yeah, it really does. That's the thing. Like, these Vulcans,
1: like, these jerk Vulcans seem so petty. Well, and and I don't like the premise. I don't like the idea that these guys, like, okay, first of all, I don't like the idea that Archer's dad felt entitled to the warp technology like that other... uh, Yeah, that's horseshit. That's stupid. But on the other hand, why not help us? Mm -hmm. Like, I always got the impression that as founding... co-founding members of the Federation that we were always pals. And it doesn't have to be that way and it's interesting maybe to show that we didn't get along at first and then we did. Like, like in the first Abrams uh, Trek movie where you saw Kirk and Spock hating each other and then becoming friends like we knew they would be. That's okay. But... I again I don't trust this writing team enough to believe that they're gonna eventually pay off all this setup. Yeah. It feels like they're just making them jerks is just an easy built-in uh obstacle every week. Like here's mm-hmm. the conflict, now we don't have to think up anything else. And it's yeah. just treating humanity like Star Trek's supposed to be the story of humanity overcoming obstacles and becoming great and like the great future, but like we got just someone holding us down the whole time. That's that's not interesting to me. Yeah. And also, you pointed out just now, Vulcans go from planet to planet finding new races, but then in this show they say, uh, we don't explore. We don't like to explore.
2: That's ridiculous that's the dumbest fucking thing. Like
1: You're scientists, like yeah. so many of you, like not the whole planet, obviously, but no. but your your logical philosophy lends itself to being great scientists. So of course you want to explore.
2: Why would that, you not that, want to explore? That line from uh, Depaul says, it, and it was a couple of weeks back, that line baffled me.
1: Yeah. Like scientific like, curiosity is not an emotional thing. It's just yeah. wanting to test hypotheses and, and see what there is and uh, get more data. Like from a purely logical standpoint, mm-hmm. it's it makes sense to want to collect more data about your surroundings.
2: And, like, if they're not exploring, why the fuck are they going into space? What's out there that's so important? Is the whole point just to keep everyone else down?
1: Or maybe it's just simply to gather resources? I don't know. It's so strange to me. But but really, like, I get that they wouldn't have the human, oh gosh, space is so nifty thing. Yeah. But they, again, curiosity is not an emotion. No. It's just wanting to know what's over there. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't get it. And I don't I just I don't like occasionally when Kirk would bump heads with like a a a, a Commodore or an admiral or whatever. I kind of like that. But Mm -hmm. overall, I don't like the idea that the people in charge don't want our heroes to succeed. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. And something actually something I meant to point out last week when we covered the season finale, Mm -hmm. which we didn't get a chance. to. We had a lot of stuff to talk about and we, we didn't get to it was How do the Vulcans have any say in whether humans are out there or not? Why are they in charge of... That's a really excellent question. Because the whole central conflict was, you're going to come home because the Vulcans say you're not ready to explore space. Why the fuck isn't that Starfleet Command's decision on their own? Why do the Vulcans have any, like, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Like, we, like, we're, theoretically, friends with them, but, like, they should have no, like, they have no fucking business in what we get up to, like... No, they're, they're not our dads. No, like, because of them, we had to figure the fucking warp engine out on our own, and we did it. Like,
1: yeah, and they they still insist that there's a Vulcan babysitter along, which, okay, whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't this make show, sense the, to me. This show might be dumb. It, it's dumb. It's definitely dumb. Uh, this one comes from Lauren again. Hello, Alan. Uh, Matt. Matt. Uh, right. It's clear to me that Enterprise seemed to suffer most from the fact that it was from the same creators who had previously given us the same types of Star Trek stories over and over and over again for 15 years or so. They'd simply run out of ideas. Mm -hmm. In an alternate timeline where we had the same birth of Star Trek premise, but where Berman and his cronies were shown the door or airlock, who would you have rather seen at the helm of this show? Yours in Catfish.
2: Oh, man. I'm bad at, like...
1: Yeah, coming uh, up with names off the top of your head, yeah.
2: Yeah, especially for, like, back when uh, Enterprise went on the air in 2001.
1: Yeah, that that would be difficult, because the only person I can think of making good shows back then is uh, Joss Whedon. And, yeah, that was my go-to, too. Uh, but now I kind of have some retroactive bad feelings about him, so mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard some of his problematic
2: Oh, problems, no, but. I've heard.
1: Yeah, everyone's problematic. It sucks. Yep. You can't just like someone anymore. And I'm not complaining about knowing these things. I want to mm-hmm. know these things, and I'm glad I do, and I'm not saying people are ruining anything. What I'm saying is, why are the people terrible? Well, why, why is everyone I like terrible?
2: Well, people are trash, Al.
1: Yeah, but the people themselves are ruining it. It's not the people pointing yeah. it out. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. But that Putting that aside for a moment, like, you know, he was making good TV back then. I can't mm-hmm. think of a lot of other. I wouldn't examples. give him trek, though. I don't know. Firefly like, was a good space show.
2: Firefly is a good space show, and it, despite all my complaining about it over the years... No, it's still the years, a good show. We're it, just it tired is. of whining about show. it getting canceled. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Firefly is very different from Star Trek. Well, no, it is,
1: but maybe... That's part of the appeal, honestly. Yeah, and what I'm saying is, make it very different from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like, just me- don't make the same thing. Like, give it to yeah. someone who would give it a very different look, a very different feel.
2: The the thing the thing is, I like... If you ask me, I'm down for a show about Star Trek history. Like, yeah. I'm a dork. I like that kind of crap. Yeah. Um I, I a lot of a lot of Uh, Enterprise feels very unfocused to me. Yeah. And I think having it more like if, if you go into it being all like, and I know that this like, you know, serialized shows were still like not a thing Trek did back then. Right. But if you're going to do like a more serialized show about the actual creation of the Federation, you know, you can get into, like, the, you know, working with the Vulcans, bringing in the Andorians, the Telerites, all that stuff. I would love if this show was about the fucking Romulan War, which is what well, we supposed to Yeah, we to all be. thought,
1: looking at, oh, okay, well, around that period is when the Romulan War happened. Cool. Yeah. And I um, think they were supposed to get to that in Season 5, but don't plan that far ahead. Just do it. Yeah. I don't know. Um,
2: but I, I couldn't tell you, like, an actual team. I just think they should have gotten someone talented and not, just, like...
1: I think you get someone like Joss Whedon or someone like someone who would give it a very different look, like stay true. Don't mm-hmm. don't completely violate the core basic ideas, but a different visual look, a different feel, a different sound of the dialogue. Just like go like, yeah, that what bothers me. And I said this from early next gen on is the sameness of mm-hmm. that same music, those same plot beats, the same like everything just feels like it's the same thing over and over again.
2: And the thing is, it should be different. It's 200 years, uh, or it's 100 years from original series and 200 years from, like, the next-gen era. Like, it yeah. should feel different.
1: Uh, all that being said, if you gave it to um, uh, Iris Stephen Bear and Ron Moore and those guys, mm-hmm. the DS9 team, yep. they probably would have made it good. I'd be fine with that. Also, those guys like and respect Trek history, so. Mm-hmm. yeah, Anyone, you know, anyone who would have a, a love of... The franchise and not just say, oh, Star Trek's boring. Yeah. That would be good.
2: Like, there's good, there's good ideas that, you know, Yeah, you no, could we've be said
1: that. We've said, that, I've said this over and over and over again, that I, I don't, I think the basic premise is dumb, but that said, there's some good ideas in there if you, if you use them and the show doesn't
2: usually. Yeah.
1: Uh, this one also comes from Lauren. Hi again. Over the last week or so, I've been going back and listening to your DS9 reviews, starting from the very beginning. Three things are crystal clear to me. One. DS nine really did have some timeless storytelling going on there. Astoundingly, even the political content can be read into any situation, past or present, at any point in human history. That's true. Absolutely. And good storytelling in any genre, I think, applies to, you know, the human condition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just something that's happening today, but that can anyone anyone can relate to. Number two, you guys do love Star Trek and can still make fun of it even when it's really really good, which is not easy to do. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. That, that's the balance we try. We don't always succeed, but we try. Yeah. And three, uh, you and all your guests are very funny, sharp-witted people. To quote that character from The Big Lebowski, made me laugh to beat the band. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's it. Not really any insider queries here. Just a big old pat on the back. Just saying good job. I, I... We really appreciate that. <laughs>
2: when we're, uh, we're in the middle of the Enterprise trenches. This is the kind of thing that keeps us going.
1: Yeah, we need to know someone is, who wants to hear it. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, boy. This one is deliberately entitled to be something I wouldn't want to open. It's called Dungeons and Dragons in the 2018 Midterms.
2: Oh my god, okay.
1: Because I have said don't talk D&D in politics, I'm not interested. (laughs) Uh, Regarding Enterprise's gung-ho, we're the best attitude. Two generations before the show, a drunken doctor with delusions of money and naked women glued warp nacelles to a warp core to a nuclear missile and blasted off off from under a bar, blaring classic rock on his radio. He's the hero of the Enterprise generation, so it's perfectly natural when they become astronauts on their own Star Trek, they're gonna run across the galaxy screaming about how awesome they are. <coughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, and in their defense, humans are better than most races when it comes to space travel. Can you imagine if Vulcan had an Apollo 13 disaster? When the engineers brought Vulcan Ed Harris a box of junk and said, this is all they have, and he probably would have arched his eyebrow and said, send a ham to the widows. <laughs> Call it the birth of smug future man. At least these guys drink beer and watch movies instead of going to the robot second officer's poetry readings a Doctor's production of Hamilton.
2: I mean, yeah.
1: Also three names, Chuck Harold Neelix. Nowhere to be seen, and with the exception of Malcolm Creep, you like everyone, so I was happy you gave Trip the Tom Paris treatment, although it took three episodes and not three years. Archer comes around when he has his own in the pale moonlight. In fact, I think he has three of them and he doesn't rely on a tailor, he does it himself. We'll see, yeah. but so far I don't care for him. Yeah. I again you can justify the way these people act, but it's still not interesting to watch. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down to to me. Uh, this one comes from Richard. Just taking a Hi, break Richard. from battling climate change in Florida with my chainsaw. My good thing about the hurricane? Catfish in the street! <laughs> yes, that is a PAW t-shirt.
2: <laughs> okay, but what are you in the sheets?
1: <laughs> Actually, he might have... No, he didn't. Sorry. No. There was there was a sign off at the end. It just says Banjo Riff Catfish. <laughs> this is this is the Richard who occasionally makes songs for us and I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm not going to not going to request this because we are we are delighted whenever this happens and we don't expect yeah. it. But I would imagine at some point a song featuring the word catfish is probably going to happen. Catfish. Just knowing what I know about Richard. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> this one comes from Michael and says uh Tripp's ill-advised tattoo is Calvin peeing on an eye dick.
2: (laughs) Yeah, probably.
1: That's good, I like that. Yep. Uh, This one comes from Andrew, and he says, Hi guys, nothing to do with Enterprise, but I thought of a wicked crossover comic between Doctor Who and Star Trek. Based on your supplementals with the former drunken time travel, may I present the insufferable twats? Wesley Crusher returns with traveler powers and is fucking up the timeline, and now Picard must slap some sense into him because too, Q is too amused to do it himself. <laughs> Edric, a former Fifth Doctor companion who survived a ship crash, now seeks revenge on his former mentor with his army of scorpions, which is a reference to an audio story... Da, 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 da. This is a bunch of Doctor Who stuff, I don't know. So now the Doctor, Peter Capaldi, with the liberty of channeling Malcolm Tucker, and Captain Picard must team up to stop them. But can they first survive each other? Sorry, I've got nothing on Enterprise except, dear doctor, that's like an alternative to the TNG crew deciding not to rescue that girl with salad fingers. (laughs) Phlox is completely in the wrong, saying that providing a cure is unethical. Evolution does not evolve towards extinction, it evolves to avoid extinction. Plus, I think it's BS that Phlox even found a cure. That's it for me. You guys still rock. Cool. Uh, Let's see. And... P.S. Tucker does get better, so it's not all bad. I, uh, wait that malcolm oh malcolm I okay I, I, uh, I can't see it guy's a creep I, yeah do you disagree I, much of the
2: same way that uh, that uh uh trip keeps being ridiculous in ways that like that i make fun of him malcolm Pete keeps being gross in ways that i keep making
1: fun of him we definitely make up our minds sometimes you have that's made up true. your mind to be entertained by trip and then the slightest thing he does now just delights you that's just yep. a choice you made yep and it, it it gets me through the episodes man so no i get you i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it's a bad thing mm-hmm. but we we are sometimes like we do sometimes sort of get locked in and okay sure. well i hate this and so now i always hate it
2: that being said i didn't put him in that fucking leisure suit the show did
1: no, I know. I'm aware.
2: All I did was clap my hands and dance around.
1: <laughs> but he did go cruising for chicks. Like he was just as creepy as Malcolm. He just acted in a charming way. Yep. But in that episode, he was, you know, just no. As you're creepy, absolutely right. Creepy. I,
2: yep. No, I, I'm complicated.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I get it. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I have decided that Archer is boring, and until he can prove otherwise, he's boring. Yep. And I maintain that, like I was almost getting into him being boring in the in the Risa episode. Oh yeah, he's just gonna go read a book and walk his dog. Like I was yep. kind of cool with that because mm-hmm. okay, the show knows he's boring. As long as we don't spend as much time on him, that's okay. I guess. Yeah, that's but then he choice. had to
2: go on a on a stupid adventure with spies.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a that's that's not the choice I would have made, but it is a choice. Uh huh. So. Uh, but that's all the mail we have. Um, oh. anything else you want to add? Oh, actually, no, hang on. We had a tweet, which I usually don't like to do because I tend to forget, like I almost did here. Yes. Um, we, we love to hear from you via Twitter, by the way. I am at uh-huh. Algar, Matt is at Robot Matt, and yep. by all means, follow us and talk to us if you like. But if you want something to go on the show, send it to the show email, postatomic horror at Gmail, because I tend to get a little unfocused and I if I'm looking in one place I don't always remember to look in the other places. So, that's all. Uh this is from Admiral Dad Sack, which is the, uh, mm-hmm. the Twitter account for Admiral Sad Sack's grandfather. Yep. Grandfather, great grandfather? That's got to be grandfather, right? Ancestor. Cuz
2: he showed up in uh Origin in oh, uh, the animated series. That's true. Yeah, so it's got to um, be
1: grandfather. I think I I forget because all my memories of him are from later, like from next gen mostly. When well, he his first appearance
2: games. was the animated series when That's we saw right. that that fucking transporter chief who looked like the saddest motherfucker on the planet.
1: That's true. Although he was modeled after the writer David Gerald, so
2: oh dear, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, David Gerald, <laughs> the guy
1: who created the tribbles in the first place. Yep. Uh, anyway, he says, "I've got a question for your supplemental, if it's not too late. Which of my men?" Uh, and and this this guy is the admiral who who is in charge of all the Enterprise guys. So he's referring mm-hmm. to the crew of the Enterprise. Uh, which of my men is the most effective at their work, regardless of personality issues, which are numerous? I'm just looking for a general efficiency report on Enterprise. And it's me, Hoshi, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to let you answer first, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's Hoshi. Yeah, we have seen time and again her her solve problems with her translating, and one time she couldn't. She got so mad at herself until she could.
2: Yeah. No, and I like the um I like the uh pushing herself thing to just like, okay, well I was bad at that, but I can do better.
1: Yeah. No, I, I shan't make that mistake again.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And uh you know, her her working vacation when she went to RISA to learn languages. hmm Like she is more dedicated to her job than anyone else. Yeah. And better at it, I think. So yeah, Admiral Dadzek, please give Ensign hoshiseto a a a promotion to lieutenant. Yes. Y- you won't. I, I would like to see you that should. Out.
2: Yeah.
1: Whereas Travis Mayweather seems to be stuck as an ensign, like he's the Harry Kim of this show. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't hate him, but
2: no, yeah. that's the thing. He's not hateable like Harry was, but he's not no. anything.
1: No. He's just a, a blank canvas, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's it. Uh, we, yeah. We always, always appreciate you guys writing to us seriously and 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 uh, saying nice things. That's absolutely and, and the criticism as well. Like if if we. If we miss something, if we got something wrong, if whatever, like, by all means, we, we like yeah, hearing what you think. And again, this is how you get better. If you want to write in and say you guys are missing the point of Enterprise, the whole point is this. And if there's some lens we can look through to make this show better, mm-hmm. tell us. Like, Yeah, please. No, Don't just say I like this show because I like this show. Like, that's fine. We have different opinions. But if mm-hmm. there's some fundamental point that we're missing that would make it better, like, tell me, please. I want I want that. I want to like it. I don't want to. I don't want to slog through the next eight months or nine months or whatever we got left. Whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, less than a year. I know that. That's something. So yeah, uh, but again, and and I've mentioned this several times, but I feel like with Discovery right around the corner, I should reiterate this: uh, we will be di- uh, uh, reviewing Discovery after we're done with Enterprise. Like we're doing yeah. these in production order, so we're gonna watch it. We're not gonna wait that long to see it for the first time, but yeah. we won't be properly discussing it, and we might briefly talk about our first impressions we should
2: probably do something just to, yeah we'll uh, just even say even on the next even on the next supplemental we can just talk about it a little bit
1: i honestly think after it airs i'm not gonna because because it's airing in like two weeks yeah i don't want to wait another three months to the next supplemental to say what i thought like we'll probably okay. we'll probably weigh in briefly and just say thumbs up thumbs down whatever
2: yeah but we're not gonna do like an episode about it
1: right No, no no because that that will be covered uh when we get to you know, the end of Enterprise, which I believe is like next May, next June, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So we will be getting there and we'll be doing it like that's just the way the show is structured. Like we're doing them in production order. And I think doing two shows at the same time we discussed a long time ago is just going to get like confusing. So yes, better to better to do one and then the other. But uh but it is coming. It is definitely coming. And actually, we're going to be discussing one episode at a time when we get there instead of two. So yeah, that'll be an interesting shift. Yeah. Just because there's so little of it, the season is only like 15 episodes, I kind of wanted to...
2: Yeah, we don't want to just bang it out super quick.
1: Yeah, no, we want to linger and spend a little time and really dissect it and talk about what it's about, whether we yeah. like it or hate it or both. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all for this time. Uh, again, postatomichorror at Gmail if you want to write to us. Uh, mm-hmm. com has links to uh, show notes that we've mentioned here. Uh, the store link is there. The shirts link is there. Anything, anything you want to check out. Um and we will be back next week with the season two premiere of Enterprise. Yeah. So, uh, till then, see ya, folks. One final quick thing on the subject of Jolene Blaylock hates Enterprise and or its fans. I have not been able to find any primary sources on this. There's a message board thread that discusses it a bit, but message boards are hardly reliable sources. That would be no better than someone saying, I heard this on the post-atomic horror, therefore it's true. Nope. In this case, it's not, as far as I can tell. The TV Tropes page for Enterprise mentions that she was a bit of a perfectionist, but that's not the same thing, especially since they mention that it was basically the same approach that Leonard Nimoy and Tim Russ took before her. I could swear that I've heard or read things to this effect over the years, but as I cannot find anything concrete to back me up, I will stop saying it. Also, while we're on the subject, I still feel really bad about similarly inaccurate statements I made about Terry Farrell back when we were covering DS9 specifically her attitude toward kissing a woman in the episode Rejoined, and the overall reason she left the show. I feel especially bad about this latter thing in light of the recently publicized information that she left the show because she was being harassed. Perpetuating the rumor that she left because she was selfish or difficult does not help this situation. It does the exact opposite of this, and I really do not want to be part of the problem. We do a one-hour show every week, and I want to fill that time with interesting information, but what it involves criticizing a person for specific actions or comments, I should really be able to provide evidence that they did or said the thing I'm criticizing them for. I'm trying to get better about this, and at this point, all I can do is apologize and try not to do it again. I'd like to give a special shout-out to Alice for calling us out on this, and I encourage listeners to continue doing this. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, We're still just doing this.